yet again. Last week there was a little bit of a reprieve, but it is once again a hot, muggy, steamy week here in Philadelphia. But it's cool because you're on with myself, Adio Royster, Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Network, a uh, one of many Vox Media podcasts. <laughs> um, light week in terms of Sixers news, but the hotness surrounding the Ben Simmons drama saga whatever you want to call it, it it's still going it's still I, growing I like what you did there it's like still bubbling yeah you like what i did there yeah uh the, that voice is very familiar it is one david early he is here with us again and let's just start your piece was about the minnesota timberwolves and their continued <laughs> oppressive <laughs> unrelenting constant, constant hammering hammering pursuit of one benjamin david simmons let me ask you this right off rip why the huge desire to trade for ben simmons i mean there are reasons but i'm i'm wondering how you're seeing it like let's put you in the shoes of a timberwolves fan and you saw what simmons did in playoff series after playoff series you're thinking to yourself why do the timberwolves want this guy well they're they're President Gerson Rosas was a lieutenant of Daryl Morey and a lieutenant. A you lieutenant. You make it sound like Daryl Morey was like a big mobster or something. Jesus. <laughs> he was he was Paulie or Silvio to, to, to Tony. Oh god. Um, <laughs> um and Daryl Morey and Sam Hankey sort of got rest their hat on the James Harden acquisition. And so that that's kind of what they are most famous for doing was finding a distressed uh, star whose value was lower than it should have been and onboarding him at a reasonable price. So it makes sense that someone would be looking to buy low on Ben. Them in particular, you probably want to factor in that it's Minnesota and they don't feel confident they're going to lure anyone as good as Ben free agency anytime soon, right? I mean, it, it was, when's the last time the Timberwolves were actually relevant? Garnett, maybe? Uh, Jimmy Butler, does that count? They, yeah, they made... I, I, did Jimmy Butler get out of the first round in Minnesota? Then I, I don't think that counts. He didn't get out, but I think he was playing kind of hurt. Uh, <laughs> had, they, had he wanted to stay there, I think they could have uh, had a chance to get out of the first round. Yeah, but... the, t- the Timberwolves are relevant because Jimmy Butler uh, picked a fight with like the entire uh, Minnesota Timberwolves bench, including their head coach. Yeah. Um, I, I see it from this perspective, right? Ben Simmons is an all star, all NBA defensive player of the year runner up. So this is where I see it from the Timberwolves. Last season, they were 29th in opponents points per game and 26th in D rating. From that perspective, I could kind of see why the Timberwolves would want somebody like Simmons. So that He's, part I get. Ben Simmons is friends with Towns, and it's hard to imagine a better big man pairing for Ben Simmons than Towns. They complement each other pretty well. They can play pick and pop. He'll, they'll always be a spread floor for Ben, um, unless you decided to pair him with like Thad Young, also. Right. And um, I mean, and for Towns. Say what, what you want about MB's perimeter game, but it's it's not it's not Towns level. It's just not like I'm not even I'm just not even going to kid myself here. No, it's not Towns level. And 
um, you know, Joel has made it pretty clear that when he takes a three, he's, he's, it's not his favorite thing to do. As you know, who watches a ton of Sixer games, it feels like most of Joel's threes that he takes are trail threes anyway. Uh, you know, Ben running on the break, absorbing a bunch of defenders and kicking it all the way back out in like a semi-transition. Right. It, when, he, when we set up the half-court offense, Joe's usually uh, parking on the block or looking for an ISO not spacing the floor in half court offense. Yeah. It's a lot of trail threes and a lot of, you know, late in the shot clock, three point attempts. So Mm -hmm. yeah, Timberwolves, they they have to do something right Mm -hmm. because they have this weird collection of guards and it's the classic. I like some of the pieces, but the sum of the pieces doesn't quite make sense, right? They right. have D'Angelo Russell. They have Anthony Edwards. But then they also have Malik Beasley. So it's like you got to go one of two ways. You have to do Towns and basically play five out with Towns, Edwards, Malik Beasley, and D'Angelo Russell all on the court with whoever they can get from the power forward position to just gobble up all the rebounds or you got to change that stable a little bit so I, I guess Minnesota's trying to shift the stable a little bit I don't know that they are really putting that much thought into what this what the shift is I think they this to them would probably be as simple as we could get a really really good player we can get an all-star we could get a all NBA level defender and playmaker um who's young under contract for four years for a price we like, we're not going to trade towns. We're probably not going to trade Anthony Edwards. So if they wanted anything else, we had uh, John Krasinski wrote, like Beverly makes some sense. Cause he's played for Maury. Like you mentioned, Beasley can shoot. Right. Those guys might fit around. If you also gave them a pile of picks, if they wanted D'Angelo Russell, I'm sure they would do that. Um, uh, maybe not. Maybe he just has value <laughs> to their organization because he's friends of towns. Who knows? But I would think they would want to do that. There's there's Torian Prince who could make the money work. So. Now with D'Angelo, he's definitely the score first type of point guard. Right. So going to Simmons, who is more of a distributing first point guard, how does that change theoretically the Timberwolves offense? I mean, I, I always caveat like Ben isn't really a point guard. He has like, you know, some Draymond Green ability to play make for sure. Yes. But is he is I wouldn't call him necessarily a point guard. Um only I mean, because Brett Brown called him a point guard. Yeah, but he you know, he was hoping he could call Fultz the point guard and then that's sort of true. Made- <laughs> uh uh had to circle back to that, didn't we? Damn it. <laughs> but you know, D'Angelo, he had good numbers last season, 19 points. And like I said, only about six assists per game. And the, the true shooting percentage, about 55.5%, but he was 40% from three. But um, I kind of like Simmons in Minnesota because basically, like you said, they can just pretty much play four out or five out and just space the floor as much as humanly possible, given the laws of basketball physics. If you're a, if you're a Ben Simmons fan... Um, it would be really exciting because you'd say, okay, you know what? Doc Rivers is probably a worst case scenario fit coach for him. Um, he played more dunker spot this year than he in the second half of the year in the second round of the playoffs than he did when they had Jimmy Butler, which made little sense to me. Right. Um, so 
you know, even though Doc often talked a big I love Ben type of thing in his press conferences, it wasn't it always sort of felt uh, inauthentic because then he would turn around and use him as if he were, uh, you know, like Thad Young or something. And I can't speak to what Doc Rivers is thinking in terms of like offensive stylistically with Ben Simmons. But I, I will say when the coaching search was brought up, like you remember, I was I was heavy on Dan Tony because I figured if there was one guy that could make an offensive system that really, really just made the Embiid Simmons pairing flow, I feel like it was going to be Mike D'Antoni. That would have been really interesting because, I mean, you saw what happened when he had, like, even Jeremy Lin in a D'Antoni system was pretty potent with the oh, Knicks yeah. back in the day. But then you had the other end of the spectrum where you had Dwight Howard in L.A. who wanted to post up <laughs> or, or Mello in New York who wanted to post up from the top of the key. Both of those things Joel Embiid loves to do, and, and Mike D'Antoni was in his own personal hell. So it would have been really interesting to see what he did. Um, how, you know, how did he utilize Ben and Joel? I don't think Joel Embiid would have been the MVP candidate that he was, but he might have gotten 80% of Embiid and, and a lot more percentage that we saw of Ben by trying to get them both gone. Now you brought up, sorry, you brought up Pat Beverly. Uh, he was acquired by the Timberwolves. And I've been reading a lot of Canis Hoopus, which is the mm-hmm. SB Nation equivalent for the Minnesota Timberwolves. And they seem to think that the trading for Pat Bev was kind of a pretext to a Simmons trade. Does that make any real sense? Does that really matter that they have Pat Bev? Like, is Pat Bev moving the needle for this trade to ultimately happen? Uh, No, I don't think he would move the needle. Um, Just a nice little filler. I think if if you were Minnesota, you would have already learned pretty much us not learning that Ben is on the move means that the Sixers want to see what happens with Lillard, who's not currently available. Right. And that's, that's their best shot. So I wouldn't have acquired Beverly thinking, well, now, now we're going to get Ben. Cause if this, if they were going to play the third team facilitator that Adrian Wojnarowski is saying they would, and they might even need a fourth team um, because Philly wants quote win now players. Yes. And I guess we're saying that they, don't the Sixers probably don't consider guys like uh, Beasley or Torian Prince that caliber of player where they would just sit and hold some picks they got along with those guys, hoping for Lillard or someone else. Pat Bev can't even be traded until October 16th. If I recall rules, and this is just what I saw in the trade machine when I did some stuff prior to the <laughs> podcast today. So it would basically, so you're basically letting Ben go through all of training camp and then you make the big swing with Minnesota and however many other teams that it takes to get this thing ultimately done. And you're pretty much starting over from zero after doing all that preseason work. Yeah, yeah. It, it just doesn't, it, it just doesn't really make, that much sense and I'll, I'll get into this further as we continue with the podcast the question should be in daryl's mind if i trade simmons for this player and i've said this on many podcasts if i trade this player first if i trade simmons for this player does that player coming in or does that package coming in 
put this team in the NBA finals. If it doesn't, then I'm not doing this trade. I would much rather just run it back with the guys that I have and hope that the attitude and the chemistry kind of resets itself naturally after winning, you know, if the Sixers go like 15 and five in their first 20 games, like they always say winning cures everything. We saw that with Utah. Yes. There was irreparable harm or whatever was reported between Mitchell and Gobert. And they came out gangbusters with the best, you know, plus minus in the league. And I guess people just sort of forgot about their potential beef. And that's what I'm saying. Like what, like I'm saying, what if the Sixers start off like wildfire? Like nobody's like, people are going to remember that there was a little bit of beef over the summer, but are we really going to care if the Sixers are just going off on people every night? I mean, Ben Simmons is probably going to get some booze and he's probably going to have some moments where he either misses some important free throws and people really rag on him, or he's worried about uh, losing his own trade value and getting stuck in Philly. So he's playing not to get hurt how hard would you want to play if you really wanted out and thought you might be traded any minute? I'm just saying, I'm not giving you a hundred percent in that spot. You know, I'm just saying there's, there are worse things to be than stuck in Philadelphia. How about stuck in Minneapolis? I'm just, I'm just saying maybe he prefers Minneapolis. Maybe he prefers like five other teams and maybe he thinks all of those are possibilities. Let's get into this for a second. So (laughs) Minnesota, let's say they make the swing and they have, and they make the trade. First of all, I'm going to say something right off the bat, and I'm going to repeat it later on in this podcast. If it's straight Philly for if it's straight Philly and Minnesota and no other teams, if D'Angelo Russell is not on the table, I'm hanging up the phone. There's really no point in us talking anymore, because if I can't get an all star caliber player back, I do not want to talk to you. That being said, Russell is going to be in the trade. So Simmons, Towns, Edwards. Malik Beasley and what else is are, are the Timberwolves even a play in team with that construction with Simmons Towns Edwards um, Beasley with Simmons Towns Edwards and Beasley yes I don't know that they are a lottery team and I don't know that they're a playoff team so sometimes you you wind up in the 11th pick through the you know 15th pick Kind of that kind of that no man's land where the Hornets find themselves a lot. So, Ben, if you're happy with being in mediocrity, that's fine. If you want to do that after being so close to the NBA finals, the last what, two, three seasons now? I mean, at least two, at least two out of three seasons. If I were him, I, I might prefer that. I might say, you know what? I don't need it like a city that doesn't appreciate me. I don't certainly don't need a coach who wants to let me just, you know, take me out of the, the half-court offense almost wow. altogether, <laughs> right? I mean, I would no, I that makes have sense. fun playing basketball. I want to, you know, I'm young. I'm already paid. Maybe yeah. I don't need a championship in the next three years. Maybe I need to enjoy playing the sport again, something like that. Who knows? You are making sense because it's that whole change of scenery argument where, you know, guys – move to a different city and it just reinvigorates their love for the game as cliche and hackney as that sounds. I'm trying to put myself in his shoes. And if I, if I was going through a hard thing with, you know, his, his biological sister was talking about, uh, you know, a, a huge family disaster, basically, 
whether or not that's true is not you know what I'm analyzing, but I'm saying if, if that was in the public news, Ben was certainly going through something anywhere from like distracting to crushing. Right. And then he it's it, it overlaps with a time where they're saying, I don't really care what you did in Utah when you scored 42. We're going to use you this way. Uh-huh. You are you are the dunker spot guy. Joel's our MVP. Tobias Harris is going to get a whole pile of ISOs. So unless there's a transition opportunity, we kind of want you to uh, just hide. And he does it, you know, he plays a good soldier. He, he almost does it to a fault. I don't know if, was he, did he feel like I'm going to hurt the team? Did he, was it passive aggressive? He's like, all right, if you want me to do this, that's what I'm going to do. Who knows? But it, it wasn't good. And if you, if I had to come back in training camp after, you know, sort of getting scapegoated by Embiid and Doc Rivers for doing what Doc Rivers was asking me to do, yeah, I'd be pretty frustrated. And if you started pairing my minutes with Andre Drummond, I'm like, really? This was <laughs> the plan? How, how soon until you fire Doc? I mean, if they come, if Doc comes out in the first couple of games of the season and we see like Ben at the five lineups, uh, I'm going to be excited. I'm just I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah. Yeah. If you were Doc Rivers. Well, no, if you were the coach of the team, who knows what Doc Rivers will do? He might just do what he's always done, which is play Montrez Harrell, play Dwight Howard, play Andre Drummond, no matter what the matchup, no matter how badly they're getting outscored. And he might that might be his plan right now. We'd have to see. This is just a weekly reminder that uh, Sixers ownership group, uh, the, the team at Liberty Ball is here. We are totally down to just like crowdsource every night as a team for Liberty Ballers to being like, uh, just all just we're gonna make all the decisions in game we'll just be the coaches for you like we we know what's going on we'll take all the hits that's fine you don't have to throw out millions of dollars for guys like doc rivers or dan tony or ime yukdoka whatever we'll do all of it for you it's fine we were we were there for you when you were wondering whether or not to offer jimmy butler a max exactly we're, we're always there for you <laughs> we're always here for you guys support for this show comes from sylvan learning as a parent you want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, Simmons' desire to play in California, you kind of referenced that in the piece as well. Uh, ben, I'm telling you right now, that's not happening because the Lakers pretty much are set when they traded for Russell Westbrook. The Clippers gave Kawhi Leonard a whole truckload of money. And Golden State, sorry, there's no package outside of giving us Steph Curry that will get you to the Simmons mountaintop. There's no interest in James Wiseman. There's no way in hell I want Andrew Wiggins. And you already made your draft pick selections already. So, like, Golden State has nothing in the tank to trade for Ben Simmons. So, playing in California right now, that's, you're out, buddy. Like, I'm sorry. Like, you, <laughs> you, you just... forgot you forgot one. Sacramento, come <laughs> on. I, I will say... I will say my brother is very much in the tank for De'Aaron Fox. And I'm like, okay, just, just no, no. I don't think they would give him up because I think he's essentially LeBron in their eyes. Like he likes it here. He's good. We haven't had this since, I don't know, Chris Weber. Right. <laughs> De'Aaron Fox wants to play in Sacramento. How That's often, all they needed to know. That's how it. often do you hear that? He's good. Um, and he likes it here. I, I, just, I hope Portland is far enough west for you, Ben, because if – Dame Lillard is available. That's as far west as you're going. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough from his point of view. He's got four years left, so it's not like he could wait. You know, needle down, we whittle down, whittle down his whittle down. Uh, there you go. His, his list and say like, well, I won't resign with you and deter a handful of teams. It's really just going to be about the teams that want him for four years. As I've mentioned before, I've been reading a lot of Canis Hoopus last couple of days, last week or so, just trying to see where, you know, their writers are in terms of like what they feel about Ben Simmons. And Cooper, Car- Cooper Carlson uh, wrote a piece for Canis Hoops last week, and they were talking about this as well. The first one of the first points they made was that Towns and Edwards are both untouchable. Mm-hmm. I mean, Towns, is kind of a rough fit anyway, mm-hmm. but. Edwards, like, if Edwards is in the deal, does that put the Sixers in the NBA Finals? I don't think it does. Um, yeah, I think it's kind of a non-starter. I think maybe both teams would be inclined to say no to that. I don't know. Well, I don't know Daryl Morey's feelings on Edwards. Maybe he thinks there's upside there. It would be difficult to imagine him stepping right in and being whatever they hope he can become on Embiid's timeline because he is young. Yes. But but in a lot of ways, he might be a better fit, but it, it really risks not only uh, losing Ben, who, you know, all right, even if things were awkward, we could at least have a top three defense um, and the chance that Ben retains some value and maybe we could get someone else. Whereas Edwards probably has uh, a really high range of outcomes that that could go in a few directions, too. I don't know. Maybe maybe it would be a no brainer. Maybe Philly would just do it. If it's um, if it's like if Gerson has a momentary lapse of judgment and it's like Edwards and Beasley and picks, I mean, I 
I would be able to stomach it. It's it's like middle case scenario. It's not best case. It's not worst case. I think it's a non-starter on their end. They drafted him first overall. They want to see what he's got. They probably have the same types of hesitation Sixers fans do about Ben on his current contract. You know, oh, yeah. They can't they can't risk the optics of getting that decision wrong. So I don't think they would <laughs> consider it. Then that brings back D'Angelo Russell. And is the worst case scenario, if it's Philly and Minnesota straight up, no filler, no extra teams, is Russell and picks kind of worst case scenario? For Philly, something they would say yes to? Is that something that is that something that Daryl could sell to the fans in terms of, okay, well, this is kind of the best package we could get right now because everybody is so quick to have this guy run out of town. If and, Twitter, if including Twitter, our colleague Steve Littman, if Twitter and our colleagues Steve Littman are shout out, a, Steve, I love you, and and uh, Dan and Emily, um, <laughs> if they're a barometer, uh, if Twitter is a barometer, then I think it wouldn't be difficult to sell that type of move to the fans. I think the fans might welcome it, especially if you know they started imagining a pick and roll with a, a guy who could dribble and shoot. Um, but I don't know that that would be top of mind for Daryl Morey. A uh, really good podcast by the gastroenteritis blues guys had your own Weitzman on, and he basically reiterated what we've known about Daryl Morey for years is he's one of the least likely uh, executives in the league to really care about chemistry, locker room, yes. maybe, maybe fan sentiment. If he doesn't think it improves his title chances with that cold hard calculus you're taking, does this put me in the finals? I think that's closer to the way he would evaluate it. And even if he could sell Russell to fans, I don't know that he would feel he could put his legacy on a move like that. I'm not sure. In 2015, Sam Hinkie had the opportunity to draft. Well, actually, no, I'm sorry. Had the Lakers not taken him at two, I'm almost positive that Sam Hinkie might have taken him at three. I think he would have. I think most people feel he would have taken him at three. Yeah. So we almost had that, the mm-hmm. Embiid Russell pick and roll potential. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to see it now, especially after Russell's been in the league for a few years. And like I said, Embiid is not Towns from a perimeter scoring perspective, but Russell and Embiid in the pick and roll could be kind of deadly. It's almost, it's almost like, Trey Young and Clint Capella, but Embiid is way more offensively inclined than Clint Capella. Embiid can do way more things. That's kind of what. That's kind of how I see that pairing. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Russell had a knee surgery this year. Um, I don't know if there's any questions because it was just like loose body arthroscopic, but who knows how that calculus would go? Does trading for Russell and having that new offensive uh, system and just doing what Russell can do compared to what Ben Simmons can do offensively. Is that enough to put the Sixers in the NBA finals? I say maybe. I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think Bro- a healthy Brooklyn would spank them, but yeah, just because Russell plays no defense. Yeah. And I think, um, I think his offense, he, he hasn't always been the most efficient player. I know he's a volume scorer. True. Um, but Daryl Moore is pretty, pretty into your true shooting percentage and, and your free throw rates and your three-point. So uh, that combined with the 
potential that it's harder to see a team like Portland um, getting involved if they were to make Dame available because I don't think they would want Russell. I think they would want to do more of a full rebuild. I, I will say this about D'Angelo Russell in a Sixers jersey against the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, D'Lo's tr- going to try to go off for 50 that whole series. Like, that's going to happen. <laughs> and they might be they might be thrilled if he did. <laughs> With, the Sixers did a great job against Russell trying to drop 50 on, on them oh in my 20, God. 2019. <laughs> uh, I... Again, no mini and Philly straight up Um, Beasley plus picks. uh, There's a YouTube that goes with Cooper's column and he's talking to a colleague of his and they started with like Beasley and like four first rounders. Boys, I'm telling you right now, that is not nearly enough. Like, I'm sorry, like Malik Beasley and four first round picks does not move the needle in any way unless we can use those future first round picks and possibly finagle Brad Beal later on down the line. But I'm telling you right now, if it's Beasley and four first rounders, that is not enough. So, yeah, that's the interesting thing. If they got like a guy like Beasley um, and whatever it took to make the money work and then four picks, would their own three picks and, and a swap and those four get them Lillard? That, you know, that's something the Sixers will be asking themselves, but then they'll also have to ask, are we worse as, as is? And can we not win the championship now? Because we have Malik Beasley instead of Ben Simmons. Because what happens if Lillard wants to give it a go the entire season? What the heck do you do with those picks? Do you, like, use exactly. one and a half of them on Covington and just try to make, get a much deeper roster? Or do you uh, just wait until the offseason and hope Zach Levine wants out? I don't know. <laughs> Zach Levine. Oh, my <laughs> God. You had to say that name. <laughs> like, that name is forbidden on this podcast, Dave. I don't know how many times I have to tell you guys this. Well, here, so here's the thing about him and Bradley Beal that I think they get their names thrown into so many trades. But if, they, if the Sixers were offered, if Washington called the Sixers right now and said, we will trade you Bradley Beal straight up for Ben Simmons. Done. Could, could Philly accept that deal? Uh, I would be I would be more than happy to take that deal. No problem. Because no if, problem. Because if they were if one of them left as a free agent, like that's kind of your now Joel Embiid's gonna. I can't wait till I'm out of here. Uh, <laughs> you just you lost Ben Simmons essentially for nothing. You don't have any picks to show for it. If he wanted to go to New York or California or Miami, you're you're left with nothing. And so I think that's such a huge risk and why Darmore has talked about, you know, it's too difficult to trade for a guy in a walk here when you have someone inked for four years. Right. And it's gotta be the right deal. Cause like you said, he's already inked for four years and I need to go back and say this to our pals at the gastroenteritis blues and everybody else that's thinking this way. They were the number one seed in the Eastern conference last year with the same roster. Mm-hmm. What is the real big issue aside from team chemistry? What is the problem at running this back? Especially if they start winning right off the jump and everybody's happy. Who cares? They were the number one team in the East and they're trying to break <laughs> up. the. Okay. And now I'm getting frustrated. You, you need to have them on it and have like a, uh, 
and host like a first take style debate. Believe me, the, my my come to Jesus moment is coming with gastroenteritis <laughs> blues. That is happening. I just don't know when. Uh, the 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 bat signal has to go up at some point. But if it's not Philly and Minnesota by themselves, I honestly I can't even think of the third or fourth team that would be involved. That makes me go, okay, who are the Sixers getting? If it's Lillard in a three or four team deal, sure, no problem. Yeah, this that's the super unlikely to actually happen scenario where if I told you the Sixers got Lillard, that would rise to the top of your list because they've got the the affinity with Rosas and Maury. You have the market that would really love Ben Simmons, and you've got all these persistent interest reports coming out. So if you heard the Sixers got Dame, I think Minnesota makes a lot of sense as that third team. I, I just don't see it happening. I just don't see it any other way. And Minnesota and Philly just by themselves. I don't, there's not a whole lot that the Timberwolves have that make oh. me say, okay, let's just roll with, you know, D'Angelo Russell and Pat Beverly. And I don't know, Rubio, if he has to be in there to make the contracts work, I'm just like, to, no, that's just not appealing to me. Hard to see that happening for me as well. Especially with Woj saying that, that they don't have the win now pieces Philly wants. Is is this the is this the longest damn offseason ever for this team now? I know we go through a lot of them and it seems like every year is a long damn offseason, but I feel like this is the longest effing one. You know, when they when they didn't retain Butler and they did retain Harris and they brought in Horford and Josh, I had to go into like a little bit of a checkout period because I was just like this is going to hurt me for so 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 long. Yeah, that was rough. <laughs> And, and then the other one where it was like, oh, man, does Joel Embiid want to be traded? Like, he was flirting with going to Miami. The fans were booing him. That was oh, like, yeah, I remember that. It was only a handful of months ago where he was in, like, a Ben Simmons light version of Loathe, you know, that famous <laughs> WIP caller. He was like, get this fat slop out of here. Okay. Um, I'm not paying any credence to a WIP caller. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, um, you know, these off seasons are go a few ways. Like, you need to check out, or you can't stop checking. I'm, I'm all in. I'm checking every day. I'm checking Woj. I'm checking Sean's. Like, okay, is, yeah. is Ben still here? All right, we're good. Okay, fine. All right, Ben's traded. All right, who do we get in return? Uh, this do I this like one the is fascinating because it's so impossible to predict. <laughs> I mean, I guess that makes it fun, right? If fun is fun, if I was a Knicks fan, this would be so fun. But as a Sixers fan, this kind of this kind of is painful. Oh, I I do kind of think about my Knicks fans friends laughing at me right now. Yep. Uh, No matter what happens, the crew here at Liberty Ballers will all be all over it. So if and when the news breaks, we'll be here for you. Uh, Dave Early. Um, thanks for coming on as always, always love talking to you about this situation and always fun. Like, like you said, before we started this podcast, the, the, uh, the wagons are starting to circle in terms of like people that are going to go to bat for Ben Simmons. It's me and it's Dave. And we're pretty sure our editor in chief, Kevin F love is on board. And I'm pretty sure that the, the new guy, Paul, I, I think he's on this hill too. He's, he's making his way up the battlefield. He's going to be joining us on the hill shortly. He wrote Paul wrote a piece saying Ben Simmons jumper looks better than it had and that there's a chance we all need to accept him still being here. 
So, uh, Paul, you might, I love you. Might you. Wanna, you might want to have him on and explore the full range of his feelings here. Paul, I love you. Like, I'm just saying, I, I, <laughs> Paul, I just fell in love with you right now. I just, <laughs> it just happened. It just happened. Dave Early, always a pleasure. Talk to you soon, my friend. And uh, yeah, let, let's keep this, keep Ben Simmons train rolling here. Let's keep it rolling. Okay. Keep it rolling. Talk <laughs> to you soon, Dave. All right. Thanks. Thanks.